ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. This is your boy, the coach from the WWE. I would like to welcome you to the very first wrestling podcast in the world to take you on a weekly deep dive into classic matches along with legends of the squared circle. Enjoy the discussion. Enjoy the back and forth. There's so much to get into. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Payoff. All right, Jeff, it is the Canadian Stampede. We are in Calgary, and the Hart family is coming home. This is Tom. I'm with Jeff. This is The Payoff. Jeff, how the hell are you doing, my friend? This is great, man. Not just Canadian Stampede, but in your house, Canadian Stampede. You and I, big fan. Uh, everything in your house, of course. This uh, taking place, uh, you know, after the most recent NXT takeover in your house, whatever it is. And so um, exciting. Yeah, I'm looking it, forward to just good stuff. Yeah, well, this, this hits on, you know, our, our theme of summer matches, but then it also hits on this in your house resurgence, which. Who the hell ever thought that, you know, we'd get In Your House back? Um, I'm excited to talk about In Your House throughout this show as well. Um, man, this is a really fun one. So quickly, as always, thank you for supporting the payoff. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, best thing you can do is like and retweet our stuff on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. On all three, we're at Payoff Pod. That's at Payoff Pod. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, tell us what matches you want to hear. Tag what guests you want us to get onto the show. And uh, again, that really helps us, and, and we certainly appreciate it. Jeff, any other uh, housekeeping for our loyal listeners? Yeah, we have. So, you know, we try and cut it cut it back a little bit here, but reminding everybody as well too that you know we give you that deep dive into a match every Monday, and of course those three parts: the build, the payoff, the aftermath. We bring them to you. You love them. We know how it goes. So um, we got a lot of reviews and write-ups on this one. And so we've got uh, some good stuff there. Uh, you know, a little bit of the aftermath, our scores. I'm interested to hear what our scores are. I haven't watched the match in full. So hopefully we uh, uh, got some good stuff that comes from that, but just all around good stuff. So um, I'll kick it to you first, buddy. Uh, how come you wanted to talk about this one? Man, this whole heart family uh, heals in the U S baby faces in Canada it was just great shit. I mean, it was so good. The booze that, you know, Brett would get in Detroit and Pittsburgh and all over the country. My God, I mean, hated him. But then they were these massive baby faces, you know, 10 miles north of Detroit <laughs> right. um, and, and really all over the world. And it's, it's so funny. And I think Bruce Pritchard is, you know, pointed this out on his podcast, but you know, people in the U S don't dislike Canada. It's not, you know, I mean, this isn't like, uh, you know, this, this foreign country that we're in war with and we have all these like philosophical differences with it's Canada, but it's just so funny that in wrestling for whatever reason, it's always been, I mean, this goes back, right? I mean, it's the Quebecers were heels and Dino Bravo was a heel and, you know, this waving of the Canadian flag. And it's always been that they've been these like heels and these bad guys for, whatever reason. So, um, 
if you're gonna, you're, if you're a quote unquote foreigner, you're going to be a bad guy in wrestling. That's how it is. But even like our, our, you know, like Mexico South of the border, you know, you have like Tito Santana, the like white meat baby face. Right. So it's just funny that for whatever reason, Canada struck a chord in wrestling lore. And, you know, a lot of it probably has to do with just something in Vince's mind. Right. He probably had a bad experience at the Canadian border one time and he thought that, you know, uh, the, the, all these uh, Mounties were heels, right? So anyways, I, I love that. I mean, this angle was so over and dude, we'll talk more about this, but you know, this is a lot in a lot of ways, what put Stone Cold on the map and made, you know, Stone Cold take off and, you know, really get into this Bret Hart feud and, Austin 316's red hot. And I mean, man, so that's interesting. And this match, it's, it's one of the, you know, maybe not technically one of the best matches ever, but when you factor in the crowd, the atmosphere, all the real life stuff, the Hart family there, I mean, there's just so much about this. It's awesome. So I, you know, I'm excited to cover this and I, I'd say that, you know, it maybe gets lost in the shuffle in terms of great matches, if you will, because again, it wasn't a technical eight star classic. It was more of the atmosphere and everything else surrounding it. But man, what a, what a great match. And historically, you know, the, the family, I don't know if they were ever all together like this ever again. Um, certainly not on camera in this kind of wrestling setting, which is important because it's a wrestling family and they had the promotion and, and all of that stuff. So I know that's a lot, but man, this is going to be fantastic. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. I, I looking at the kind of people and we'll go over the card in a little bit here, but th- this match this many workers in the ring. Like, I think that even like there isn't a bad name on this list. And so when we kind of start talking about who was doing it, some of them, like, I don't think we were like, you know, gold dust. We didn't respect as much at that time, but now like we know like Dustin Rhodes, like incredible worker, like, you know, you know, a lot of these people like, you know, Legion of doom kind of knowing the kind of background that they had and things like that. You know, I know we, we both watched some of those dark sides of the rings and, uh, you know, kind of hearing some of that stuff. And so a lot of these people, People too. I don't know if it's good or bad that they had their their own episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, and so um, kind of crazy on that front. But I think just the quality of worker that was in this, like you know, a ten man tag like this, like you know, would we respect it as much nowadays? Like I don't know, like but something like this to have a, a huge stable like we did going against these guys, like. I, I'm excited just to get into it and kind of you know see what we got here because I'm excited. Well, then let's get into the build. Oh, it's time for the build. So here we are, WWF Canadian Stampede. It's Jeff, it's in your house 16. Did you realize there were that many in your houses? Uh, no, now that you're saying that, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You think in your house, you're like, oh, would they have like five or six of those things? And then you forget, you know, some of them were like in your house, Canadian Stampede, in your house, Hell in the Cell, in your house, but actually in your house, Hell in the Cell is bad blood. But, uh, you know, they have these different themes, but the actual in your house thing, you know, there were, I don't know, I think it was over 20 of them, but, you know, this is 16. This is the last year they, or, yeah, it's the last year they had 97 and then they, they switched. But again, there were, there were a lot of these things and we've gone through the cards before, but, they had some really good matches and uh, uh, 
you know, we'll talk about the, that's the other thing I want to talk about during the match is, you know, this kind of two hour card versus three hour card. So July 6, 1997. Okay. So pretty cool. It was the 4th of July weekend. So people may have had off and then Sunday, July 6th is the, um, is the pay-per-view, which of course was in conjunction with, you know, the big stampede that took place in Calgary. So just a lot going on there. It's at the Canadian Airlines Saddle Dome, which I don't know if at the time it was Canadian Airlines, but I just remember it being called the Saddle Dome, right? So 12,000 in attendance, you know, one of those buildings where you could have a big crowd, but man, they're on top of each other. My guess is there probably weren't a lot of luxury boxes inside the Saddle Dome, which means that the fans were just on top of each other. So again, this is one of those two-hour pay-per-views. Um, we can discuss the merits of is that better? Is it worse? You know, what you thought. Um, <laughs> kind of fun dark match. We had the uh, Godwins, uh, Hog and Pig, Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin, um, defeating the new Blackjacks of Blackjack Bradshaw and Wyndham. So uh, kind of a kind of a fun match. A match pay-per- to start the card. Yeah, pay-per-view starts out. Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time. Uh, he's already paired with China by this point. Uh, him and Mankind go to a double countout. So, you know, it's interesting that Triple H, Mankind uh, feud, you know, they, they did some matches back at this time, and they you know, do a, a cage match as well. Um, and then, obviously, at the end of Mick's career, they had some great memorable matches as well. Jeff, did you watch the um, this documentary series, whatever you want to call it, on the network about Triple H and Mankind? I have not. No. Go find it. And, and for those of you listening that haven't seen it as well, go watch it. Really good. Um, for whatever reason, these, and I, I can't remember the name of it, but they've got these, um, I, I don't know if they profile matches or feuds or what they call it, but it's a series on the network and they've done uh, – different ones they they don't i've never really seen it promoted on like raw and smackdown they don't make a big fuss of them they just kind of haphazardly release them but they're really good and so this one was um it really centered around triple h and and mick foley um i talked a lot about their royal rumble and then um their final hell in the cell match and and the backstory of that and how you know when Foley was, you know, wanting to retire, should have retired. Um, really, really good stuff. They had Triple H, they had Steph, they had Foley. Um, some stuff that I didn't remember or know. Uh, but, but man, what a great feud that was. And, and you have to remember at that time, that really put uh, Triple H on the map. That rumble match he had against Foley, then defeating him at the Hell in a Cell. Then he retains it WrestleMania 2000 in that four-way match. So that was like, hey, Triple H is our top heel. He's a really, really big star. And that's when Austin was out as well. So really interesting stuff. But again, they, they had this match here. They had that um, uh, also that memorable match in the Garden where Foley came out as Cactus Jack. So great stuff, but, but make sure to go back and watch that. Um, the great Sasuke defeating Taka Michinuku, a uh, 10 minute match. Then we had the WWF champion, the undertaker. Okay. This is coming off WrestleMania 13 when he defeated Sid, he would defeat Vader. Um, Vader was accompanied by Paul bear. So, you know, I got to tell you, man, I would have loved to have seen Vader in his prime in the WWF. You know, could you imagine Vader in his prime against, the Undertaker, 
against Shawn Michaels, you know, and, and really all the talent that they had there. I mean, even a younger Steve Austin, give me him against Bret Hart. But, you know, we got this beat up version of Vader, not his fault. The guy just, I mean, you know, 200 matches a year. Oh, and getting the shit kicked out of him. And he was just rough. And a lot of that was in Japan and he was flying around. I mean, he wasn't some big man working some slow style. He was bouncing around the ring. So, you know, I have not seen a Jeff. That's, that's what we're going to have to add to our list is a, is a really good old Vader match because I haven't seen a lot of that. I mean, I vaguely remember some of his, some of his WCW stuff, but, but again, I'd love to see a match where like, you know, we could see him in his prime, but we just didn't get that version here. And my goodness, like they brought him in with a lot of hoopla and, you know, put him with Cornette and, and, and it just, I just don't think he had it in the ring. Cause remember that was, you know, the plan was to do a trilogy of matches with Shawn Michaels, the first being at SummerSlam. And then, you know, it would go on to be, I believe Survivor Series Royal Rumble. They ended up putting Sid in that spot, but um, man, it just, I, I wish he would have had it, you know? So anyways, we had that match and then we had the main event. So only four matches on this pay-per-view. And that of course is what we're here to cover. Uh, the hearts, which is Brett Pillman, British Bulldog, Neidhart and, and Owen Hart, um, against Shamrock, Goldust, Legion of Doom and Steve Austin. So talk about a who's who, uh, but man, I'm pumped to cover that. Uh, just a couple other things going on before I turn it over to you to talk storyline stuff. It was interesting. Uh, the night after this, uh, Nitro had, you know, some ECW guys on, you know, it's funny because, you know, the whole thing was the WWF and ECW had this huge relationship, but remember WCW was signing guys. I mean, they had Raven, Stevie Richards, you know, they're, they're getting these guys from ECW later on, they get Sandman and a whole bunch of other people. So, uh, it was just interesting that, you know, they, it was always, I always find it like fascinating. I'd love for Paul Heyman or, Vince McMahon or both to elaborate more on like what actually happened with the ECW WWF stuff, because, you know, it it was weird. They like kind of had a working relationship. Vince was throwing the money, but then there were still guys going to WCW instead um, that were jumping ship. So uh, interesting there, you know, as I was going through some of the old PW torches, there was an interview with um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. and, And again, keep in mind, this is, you know, 97, you know, it's funny, man, is those guys do a lot of interviews and I feel like they say the same thing during every interview. Like it's the same shit that you hear from them now. Oh, we had the favorite nations clause. And this is why we left. And I don't know. I mean, some, some guys, it's like, have you heard Taker on some of these recent podcasts like Bill Simmons? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Like it's awesome. Right. Cause you've never heard the undertaker just talk like a normal human being. Then there's guys like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash where, I mean, I've heard them say the same shit a hundred times, you know, and, and, and there's just some guys out there that, I mean, you know, I don't blame him for wanting to be out there in the public eye, but it's like, what new is Kevin Nash going to say at this point that I haven't heard him say 200 times? He was saying the same stuff in 97, 23 years ago. And they've uh, done a million interviews. I think that's why the undertaker, uh, that documentary is so good because we haven't ever seen that type of stuff from him. So let me ask you this. What do you enjoy more? The Michael Jordan documentary or the undertaker documentary? Um, I, uh, if I had to pick probably the Jordan one, but they're but, both really good. Right. Like, I mean, you yeah, can make I, an argument for both. That's why I was like, you know, obviously like I have a lot of friends that make fun of me for how much wrestling I watch. I'm like, dude, take or doc. It's as good or not better. I've got a few guys to watch it that don't normally watch, you know, wrestling um, or, you know, they have the network type thing, but they're not watching regularly. And they're like, man, this is really good shit. And I'm like, dude, I told you um, my one buddy was watching with his wife uh, recently. And, 
He's like, she loved it. I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's really, really good. Anyone can watch it. Um, I think the Taker doc is as good or maybe even better than the Jordan one. Uh, that's how much I like it. I'm not saying that as a wrestling fan. I'm just saying it like as a fan of interesting stuff. Um, I, I think that both of those, the Jordan and the, um, the taker are better than dark side of the ring. Yeah. Dark side of the ring. You know, we'll talk, I want to talk more about it. I think it's good. I think it's good TV. It's better than, you know, flipping channels, right? I'm Uh, getting huge ratings from it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good, but it's, you know, at the same time, like I don't, this entire season, I don't feel like, man, I learned a lot. I, I think the Benoit episode I did. Um, I thought the UWF stuff was crazy, but you know, yeah. some of it, like the road warriors, like, yeah, I kind of knew all this. So anyways, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really it. So, uh, huge crowd, you know, ton of merch, huge gate. Uh, I mean, people went nuts for this, man. This was a, this was like a holiday, uh, in Calgary. So, uh, h- how did we get here from a storyline standpoint? Yeah. So I'm going to go way back on this one. And of course, like this event, you know, taking place really summer 1997, it was July 1997, but I'm, I have to take us all the way back to the, like the original heart foundation. It was them splitting, uh, after, uh, yeah. Uh, WrestleMania seven. So you had, the Hart Foundation, which was Brett and Jim Neidhart, kind of going their separate ways, uh, getting into singles competition, doing their own thing. Obviously, Brett, you know, both of them had success, but you had Brett after this point, which, you know, match we've got lined up for uh, future, you know, Mr. Perfect, the Intercontinental SummerSlam 1991, just an incredible match, great match, you know, um, one that you and I both have wanted to talk about for a while. I Him, think this you know, summer is the summer. Yeah, this summer's the same, of course. And so, um, kind of doing that, but then him also going on winning the world heavyweight championship when he beat Ric Flair, that was in Canada, you know, it's so a big piece of that there. You actually did have though, the Jim Neidhart, even though they kind of split and kind of went their own way, him forming a new tag team. It was the new foundation. It was with Owen. And so part of this too is you got to remember like they are like the Canadian sons. Like, you know, it was a big part of who they were. Everybody knew that like there's, it's one of those like, you know, kind of like the hometown pop, like they would literally like the country pop, like they would like, you couldn't do no wrong. Like, you know, no matter what they were doing, whether face, heel, any of that stuff. So you can't, now it did, that was back, you know, 1991, they kind of existed. They were there in that kind of time frame, and they kind of had that. So what you had though, was you had in 1997, the year, obviously this event taking place, you had them reforming. And as we kind of said in the opening here, it was the pro Canada and like really British because of uh, the British Bulldogs were as well too. Uh, and then the anti-American, um, you had all these guys here though. And so part of it though, was you had, um, WrestleMania 13, which was that March of that year, Brett beat Stone Cold. And of course the classic submission match, that was the match of the year, 1997 from that though, you had, uh, you know, kind of the turns of Austin becoming the fan favorite and Brett becoming the villain. And we've talked about that match a lot, obviously, you know, and we have that where, you know, you had your very clear cut face heel. And like you said, really like the stone cold persona 
shining through kind of being that kind of antithesis to, you know, what people wanted, but just, he was going to get the cheers, whatever it was. So, um, but after that event though, and kind of having that you had Brett reuniting with Jim Hart, Owen Hart, Bulldog, and it was actually Brian Pillman as well too. And they formed the new Hart foundation. Um, pretty much everything they did. And I, and I've, I still vividly remember to this day, them walking out to the ring with the Canadian flag and kind of planning it, you know, in the middle of the ring. And it was always kind of there. And so I remember that just being a huge part of their stable of how, you know, and of course we know, like, just, you look, you know, that we don't have the exact numbers, but how many events take place here in the U S or continental U S versus, you know, going up to Canada or different places, especially back then, like that wasn't happening. And so, you know, you didn't have as much of the, the European type stuff, or it was very one-off. Like it just wasn't happening as much, but the biggest piece of this was this heart foundation that, and that was the, you know, their part of their gimmick was like just degrading the U S all of its people, all this other stuff. I mean, it worked. <laughs> you can't say it didn't. Um, you know, there's some, sometimes when they kind of go that angle, it doesn't always work, but um, you know, they kind of had it on this one where it was absolutely just fantastic. And so that was how they would always get that reaction of just like bringing the flag out, um, you know, kind of making the name for themselves as this new foundation doing it that way. So you really had to, because of how this all kind of, you know, played out all this different stuff, you had a lot of people, like we said, that were involved in this one because of where this took place, you know, really the, the kind of, event was really built around the heart foundation, even though that they were the heels in this instance, some of the players, you had different feuds coming into this because of like just individuals and things like that. And so, um, over the years, you know, they, they, well, that year, excuse me, they would feud with, you know, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, uh, Psycho Sid, the Patriot makes, you know, com, you know, sense there, the Legion of Doom. So some of these guys, you know, they would have like, you know, just kind of tag matches or singles matches, which is why some of these people were in the ring. But then, and then you also had like, you know, some kind of future storylines that were set up with this one as well too, which we'll get to a little bit in the aftermath, um, kind of what was happening there. Um, you know, the, we'll definitely talk about Stone Cold and Owen and things like that. So just a lot of different angles for why, who was involved in this match and why, but it really just led to this point of you had just the, the absolute, oddly enough, and we'll, we'll, we'll see it from when it happens. This, the heel tag team or, you know, team stable of the heart foundation taking on really this group of people that they had feuded with, over the last couple of months, you know, individual, you know, just a lot of different things that brought this one together, but you had them as the fair, you had those people as the faces going into this into Canada versus the hearts as the heels, which will play a very big role in kind of how this plays out. So um, a lot of different angles, just, you know, different things happening, but good stuff with the build. So Tom, what are your thoughts? Dude, it's such a good build. I mean, there's just so many layers. To, I mean, but this is like as good as a build gets, right? You have the fact that this has been, I mean, you know, you traced it back to the early nineties, but I mean, you have elements of this that have, you know, built over years, not for this storyline, but it just, it fits in. Right. So this is like years in the making. If you add all these things in, um, you have the real life 
component of it, which always adds more to a storyline when it's, you know, not just all scripted, but there's real life stuff. You do the family, you do the hometown crowd thing. I mean, you know, all of that. And and it took place over a long time. It wasn't, oh shit, we have another pay-per-view. Let's throw these guys in a 10-man tag. I mean, it's, this was building for in simmering for a long time and it continued after this i mean the, these guys as you'll get into after this match these guys really collectively were summer slam you know later on in the summer so the following month so anyways let's uh, jump right into this for those of you who want to watch with us it's the um we're going to start this at the one hour and 15 minute mark of in your house canadian stampede that's the one hour and 15 minute mark of the network and with that it's time for the payoff oh it's time for the payoff all right dude so here we go we got the we got everyone in the ring the hearts just entered dude heroes welcome i mean I, I, you know, it was just the, the, the difference in them coming in. You could just see it in their eyes. You could see how it was like, I mean, I remember Neidhart coming in. It was just like, I mean, it was, you know, it was the Super Bowl. It was like the biggest thing in the world for these guys. Um, I mean, give us a little sound right now so we can kind of, yeah, of course. So you've got Brett and Stone Cold. No, that was interesting. You hear what JR just said? I miss like, it. Yeah. Oh, he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, and there's uh, some cameras here ringside uh, filming a documentary about Brett's life. That would be the, obviously the, the screw job documentary. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. That's, <laughs> now, kinda... Yeah. They didn't know that. So starting off, you've got Brett and Stone Cold in the middle of the ring. They really, everybody else was kind of John, but the two of them really just kind of staring at each other, which was a kind of a good setup. And so, you know, you these can't two, get a hotter start than these two just pummeling no, each other, right? Just back and forth trading blows. Yeah. And a real hot start. Um, yeah. And this is one of those. Everyone's where, standing. Look at them. I mean, everyone's on their feet. I don't even know if they're going to sit during this match. And so, and yeah, this is one of the extremely hot starter, right? Brett kicking Stone Cold in the corner. The camera shaking. Oh, yeah. It's one of those old buildings. There's probably nowhere to put the camera that wasn't shaking. The whole building was. Hey, so, so when, I, when I say in your house, what's the first thing you think of? I, for me, there, like, there isn't one kind of individual kind of event or anything like that. But I, I do, like, these are just, like, tight shows. Like, that's what I remember these as being is just, like, it was, you know, you could – you, you didn't, you know, back then you didn't have, you know, much more than a three, four hour pay-per-view, but you had just, and all these matches were good. And then you really capped it off with like something like this of just kind of having it. And I, you know, and I think that's what, how these are successful. And, you know, we've heard the rumors lately with kind of everything happening um, of just like them wanting to do some tighter pay-per-views. Well, that's the word I go to. It's tight, right? I mean, it's like, you know, it used to be that, Hey, you got 10 minutes, go out there. But now, I mean, you know, guys know that the show can kind of end whenever. So, I mean, if 10 turns into 15, oh, well. Right. Yeah. They're not, yeah. They don't have the hard USA stop time or any of that. You know, they, even then they would run over. Like, you I mean, know. Did, did Edge and Orton need to be 45 minutes long? No. You know, I mean, so sometimes less is more. Again, I, didn't, I, I was entertained, but I mean, I think that, you know, we could have we could have trimmed 10 minutes off the weight room scene and probably been okay. I think we, yeah, we, everybody kind of, you know, agreed with that. But then some matches, like, you know, if you can put on a, a, a 60 minute Iron Man or Iron Woman, great. 
like, you know, th- there's, there's a time and place for that stuff too. And I like, this is that type, that type of card where maybe, you know, something like that wouldn't have a home here. Million but- dollar dream does the reverse. This is the one he beat him with at survivor series. A little call yep. back there. Austin kicks out still just Brett and Austin. And so, yeah. And so these two already, yeah, we've got a couple of minutes down here and just these two guys, Oh, missing kind of going for him on the rope. Oh, by the way, the reason I asked you what you thought of when uh, I said in your house, yes. two things I always think of are Todd Pettengill and then the uh, actual house uh, entrance way. Yeah. And that's what, of course, I, I, I can't not acknowledge that. And yes, the house setup, I think that's one. Uh, the NXT logo kind of threw it back to that. They use kind of the same colors and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty good. Um, big bull kept- Neidhart in there. I love yeah. some of those old stories about Neidhart. What was he, a shot put? Was he shot put or discus? Or I think he was shot put. I forget, like he yeah. owned the, he owned the record i mean he's just a hell of an athlete played for the raiders i, I remember him too because I, I just he's a big dude like you know he's, and i always remember him doing that pull down of the beard and he'd like twist it he had that long thin beard um which he's was a always big boy back then i mean i know like at the end of his life yeah they showed him on like total divas a little bit uh with natalia and i mean he was big then but kind of was always this similar size Wow. Yeah. The kick. Wow. Shamrock was awesome, man. I know we've talked about him before. Haven't covered a match, but I, I wish they would have done more with him, man. I thought he, I mean, he probably, he probably was a bad promo, but I mean, you know, you know, and I may have said this before on here, dude, if you would have had him with like a Paul Heyman, forget it. You, he you didn't have to say a damn word. You put him with the right mouthpiece. Yeah, absolutely. And he did a lot like he, you know, in Japan and all this other stuff and he, he was out there, but, um, and you forget to like, he wasn't in, I, I was kind of looking at it right now. He wasn't in WWF for that long. Nope. Like 97, um, 98. I mean, he, he debuted at 13 and, uh, he's probably out there within like two years. And so, you know, world's most dangerous man. Like, yeah. And so it's just one of those. Um, but yeah, and that's one, like, he's still a scary dude. Like he's a big dude. So you got Pillman in the ring now. Um, I wish they would have explained, like, I mean, is, uh, so, I mean, I was 13 years old at the time. I wish they would have explained why Pillman was in the heart foundation more. I mean, I get it. He trained there, but you know, they've, I've seen, you know, people were like, no, he was part of the family. He was super close with them. Like, I wish they would have given a little bit more context there. The tough part with Pillman was he barely wrestled. I mean, remember he you know tragically died not that long after this but i mean he was hurt so he barely was able to wrestle Mm. well and this too every time if you if you haven't noticed uh if and for those of you at home like the every time the heart foundation does a move and even acknowledges the crowd a little bit they go nuts like they're clapping like even like that was just like a backbreaker like uh, there's something you don't see every day pillman trying to tap out shamrock grabbing his wrist and slamming his hand down on the ring there's something you don't see every day for me so uh, I've, I've had a chance a few times of meeting people from calgary um and not non-wrestling people, right? Just like, I think randomly I met some guy at a golf course one time. And of course I have to like ask about that. I'm like, yeah, wasn't there like a big wrestling family from there? And it's just always interesting because it's not like that big of a place. So everyone knows who the hearts are, where the heart house was like, you know, oh, yeah, Owen was in my you know high school or something. I mean, it's just kind of, it's always interesting. Like it's happened to me a few times when I hear Calgary, I just, my ears perk up. And, got uh, Owen and gold dust in the ring. You got Owen and Goldust. So everybody, and again, the crowd losing it for Owen. Like, so cheering. let's talk. Let's talk Owen, Dark Side of the Ring. What'd you think of the episode? What'd you take away from it? Um, I, well, I, as you and I discussed, like it, we've said this, you know, previous weeks. Like, not I. I was. I thought ahead of time that maybe that she had the footage and they were going to show the footage. I'm glad they didn't. 
Um, it was still hard to kind of see, uh, you know, I've heard the stories over the years, but is there, is there footage online? I I'm pretty sure there is. I, I certainly wouldn't watch it. I haven't looked. I don't okay. know. I, I thought and there so, may have been some stuff, but I, I just, I don't want to see anything. In fact, you and I talked about it. Just even seeing the blood on the rings. Yeah. And that was, I think that on. piece of it, like the police photos of just like how high up it was. Like you kind of get that sense for it. And like seeing the blood on the side of the ring, I hearing that, like how he broke the boards under the, the you know the mat and so wrestlers like there was that divot where he hit which is just like disgusting to me um i get it like you know how she feels um i went especially when she pulled out the 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 uh the carabiner that they use to like yes. you, know, you know she's got that in her garage and just like a tote where i store like you know like old legos like you know just the, the, the you know and that's why you just can't judge a person or you know kind of know what happened until we kind of see those types of things i thought overall it was well done but i was gonna say like i fully understand why she wants no affiliation whatsoever with the wwfe because i wouldn't either like, well, so, so here, here's the thing, two things, and, and this is, I, I, you may have heard me say this before. I say it a lot in like politics. I say it a lot in different areas. Two things can be true at the same time. Okay. And Owen Hart should be in the hall of fame and Martha Hart shouldn't allow him to be in the hall of fame. Right. Or, 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 yes, or she, hear, her, yes. her viewpoint is completely understood. Right. So it's like two things can be true. Like, like, yeah, of, of course, who wouldn't want him in the Hall of Fame? Obviously, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, it would be incredible if we could celebrate him. Um, does his family have every reason to feel the way they do? And, you know, his, you know, his, his widow, his, his kids? Yes. And, and so you just have to, you have to just try to find peace with that. And at the end of the day, if you're, as a fan, really worked up about it, you know, you're not the one that died. You're not the one that lost a loved one. So they, they have every right to do whatever they feel, you know, is best for his legacy. And again, two things can be true. Yes. He should be in the hall of fame. Yes. They have every reason to prevent that. I get it. Right. And I, mm -hmm. I get both sides of it. The whole thing just sucks, man. And so um, there were some really powerful visuals in there above the catwalk, blood on the ring. Um, I mean, really the carabiner, really, really tough stuff to watch. And, you know, the, the, the takeaway for me is, you know, I, I forgot just how negligent it was. I mean, you know, he probably shouldn't have got up there. They shouldn't have been cheap about it. They shouldn't have had the thing happen in the first place. Um, it just sucked. You know, at the same time, Sting had done a variation of that, what, 50 times? So just the whole thing just sucked, man. And, and, and God, you know, but the point was made, can you imagine him working with Eddie and Benoit and Edge Yeah, the and, people that came after him. Yeah. And, and then I just, you know, I forgot with some of those highlights, just how good of a worker he was. I mean, I love the personality, but he was just such a good wrestler. And man, I mean, just from a professional standpoint, the career that he could have had with a few more years in the Attitude Era. Um, and, you know, he would have come out of that Blue Blazer thing strong. You know, people, I mean, you know, they also put Hulk Hogan in a mask and made him Mr. America. And it was entertaining for what it was. It wasn't the end of his career, you know? So it's like, I think they could have, they could have gotten out of that blue blazer with him being more over and done something really great with it and made him a main eventer. And, and I believe that, you know, if, if he wouldn't have died, he would have been a world champion. So, and there, and there's an ebb and flow to, you know, their yeah, characters. I know you forget it, that's, that's exactly right. 
you know, and how he would have eventually like, yeah. And I get it. Like at that time too, it's hard to, you know, imagine what he like, cause with all them leaving and going to WCW and him having to deal with some of that stuff, like I get it. Like that's gotta be tough, but uh, you know, I, I, at least for me, I have hope that like, you know, he would have come out on the other side of all of that. I mean, those fast kicks. Jesus. I know. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's animal there. Well, and I kind of switching it to the positive. Well, one, I didn't like uh, Godfather was on those a lot. I didn't realize how, Godfather was involved in so many of these different angles and matches because he was supposed to be the match against Brett or excuse me against Owen before you know he fell and then also like he was the king of the ring and kind of involved in that they interviewed him like so just his Owen there did the different variation of the drop kick off the top rope and then he does the kip up I mean God Owen was so good and you even mentioned Goldust earlier yeah and uh Dude, I, just because of that stupid, I don't say stupid, it, yeah, it's iconic, but just because of that gimmick and that outfit, you forget what a big son of a bitch he is. And I, I met him in person, but it wasn't until really AEW where I was like, man, he's a big dude. And um, a really, Justin really Justin Rhodes order. versus Goldust. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right, absolutely. Legion of Doom going for it here. And so that one too. Oh, and they hit it. They hit it on Owen. Doomsday device on Owen. And here we brawl now. That breaks it up. Yeah, and here comes the big brawl. But, man, he... I like that because Taka Michinoku had a match earlier on the card. I appreciate the Taka is God sign, the guy on the camera side. Um, well, this is one, too. So we talked about it. Like, uh, there you go. One of the Hart brothers just tossed a beer at Austin. Um, this, this, I bet this ends well. Now he's got the chair. Uh, so, yes, this is the, yeah, the family kind of attacking Austin, all that <laughs> stuff, yeah. So we're, I don't think we even think we're halfway through this match at this point, and the crowd is absolutely ape shit. It's like, been nonstop action. I mean, it's funny because, like, a 10 man tag, you, you mentioned this earlier, it could just be such a shit show and thrown together and mean nothing. And then you get, like, a 10 man like this where they just keep coming in and out. You're getting all big moves. It's just like one after another. It's been nonstop action. I mean, you have just fantastic workers in the ring. I mean, everyone, it, okay, here, here's a question for you Is everyone in here a Hall of Famer? I mean, yeah. Okay, so Austin's in, Legion of Doom's in, Heart Foundation's in, Owen obviously should be in. Bulldog is, what, going in? He was supposed to be this year? Uh, yes. Pillman, I don't think, is in yet. But but I, he I is a he, Hall of Famer. Yeah, like, Pillman, yeah. Will, Pillman will be. Um, who's left? Gold, Goldust will be. And I, and I think even with all the AW stuff, he'll still go in. Jericho will still go I mean, do you agree with that? Like Jericho will be a WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Goldust will. I think even it may have to be after Vince. Well, die, I say dies, but he's going to outlive you and me. But um, I, yeah, I think he should be. No, There's but I no, think he will be. I think they they reconcile. Jericho didn't leave on bad terms. He'll come back. And so now we get the I, Hollywood Blondes in the ring. Yes, we do. Like uh, flipping him off, terrible stunner. Um, but it got it off. Yeah, I think it, if nothing else, like, yeah, you can't, you have to include these guys in the conversation. Yeah, so everyone's, oh, and I guess the only one we left out was Shamrock. And um, yeah, I think, he'll, I think he gets in just based on who they put in. I mean, well, and I think that either way, like, he is a Hall of Fame 
caliber person. Yeah, like, you, you know, you do the UFC working. stuff. And, I mean, he was doing the bare knuckles UFC stuff. I mean, he was doing everything back in the day. So, I think in totality, man, hit him with a fire hydrant here. I, so, they have different, uh, different fire extinguishers in Canada, apparently. I've never seen an all-silver one. See, that's just one of those, or it's one of the industrial ones, whatever it is. The classic now. On the, yeah, he yep. invented this. And I, and I think the first time he did this may have been against Austin Survivor Series. I remember the first time I saw that, I'm like, holy shit, man. Figure four on the, the uh, post. And that's just one of those moves that, again, like you don't see it anymore. Like, why, like, you know, and we always talk about like re- wrestling repeating itself. Like, this is one of those, like, you know, why don't we see more of these types of things? You know, it's the classic, like, you know, like Taker walking the ropes or like just some of those things. Like, you know, that gets, it's been lost to the, you know, to the history and time on some of the stuff, which is unfortunate. But yeah. Don't you wish the Hart House was like a museum? Like the, the, the city had bought it and you could like still go in the dungeon and see like the ring they had in the yard and stuff. I just think that would be so cool. I just find Absolutely. that place to be fascinating. Well, and I remember this was that era too where like they sold that so much. Like yeah. it was always the Hart, or, you know, the, the, you know, Stu Hart's dungeon. Like. Remember they did the uh, Owen Shamrock match in the dungeon. Yes. And so, you know, and that's one of those where like, you know, you, you couldn't watch wrestling and not have them talk about it at least once. Was that so. the first cinematic wrestling match ever? <laughs> you know what? That's something that we'll have to look into. Well, you know, fair. I mean, you, you had that, you had some empty arena matches. I mean, I'm just talking in terms of matches that, you know, could have been stop start, right? Like they didn't have to be filmed all, all the way through or whatever. So, I mean, I know they weren't like cinematic, cinematic, but it's still, it's kind of interesting, right? Like no crowd, like, and that's how, yeah, like that, just that type of storytelling, you know, obviously I, I say the Hardys did it really well. Uh, there were some bad ones in there, of course, too. You had the, uh, that was the house of horrors, the Bray, uh, Orton one, like that was not good. I don't um, remember that. Oh, that was recent. You know, oh, that was, no, that recent. was at rest. That wasn't from a crowd though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it, no, that the house of horrors one was when they remember he burned the house down in the woods. Oh, I don't see. I, I just remember that happening. I don't remember that though. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry about that one. Um, that one, not good. So that was, you know, or yeah, Orton like that. It was that gif of him staring and kind of, uh, you know, not going well. We talked about Owens. what do you think of a Legion of Doom's, uh, dark side? What's funny. There's three dark side of the rings in there. There's the screw job. There's the, um, uh, Road Warriors, and then there's the uh, Owen Hart one. There really is, yeah. And I mean, Hillman could be one too. Uh, if it, it, it well, Davey already, Boy and Dynamite could be one. And they've already said that uh, season three is happening. Like, well, they haven't officially said it, but like, there's no way season three doesn't happen. It was like Vice's highest rated programming ever. Yeah, they'll have to do it. Yeah, I'm actually surprised Vice gives them such a hard time. Guys, isn't that crazy though that there's like there's probably two more Dark Side of the Rings in that in that ring right now. I mean, it's, it's something with Bulldog and Dynamite you could definitely do. And then I mean, Pullman, I think, I think that'll definitely happen because I can see his son wanting to do it. At least, yeah. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah, well, and kind of looking, there hasn't been a ton. I'm kind of looking at a list of like cinematic matches. There hasn't been a ton over the years, but... Um, so yeah. where do you... So, so Brett Hart in the ring working over Shamrock right now. Uh, Brett and uh, Anvil's a tag team, the Hart Foundation. 
Do you love them, like them? What's your what's your feeling? I always love the Heart Foundation. Like I think that that this one, I think heel face. And when I was, you know, when we were younger, I didn't, you know, you know, there was just the bad guy, the good guy. We didn't know the terminology. It was you know, kayfabe still alive. Well, yeah, the Jimmy Hart package was awesome, right? And then they became yes. good guys, and that was cool too. Um, you know, what, what's good about them is, you know, I, obviously I love tag teams that dress the same same colors theme, but they had the big guy, little guy, you know, the the bull and the, the worker type thing, which is kind of cool, right? You think tag teams, you think, well, Sean and Marty were the same guy and the Young Bucks are the same guy and the Road Warriors are the same guy. It's kind of cool when there's a contrast between the two, huh? Absolutely. And I think that's one of those, like, you know, we got Shamrock and Brett kind of working in the ring. Shamrock, God, he's just jacked, like scary. Um, he was fast. I mean, he was just, a, I mean, he was like a really, really fast striker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's not a huge guy. I mean, I, I met him, but he's, he's still jacked. I mean, well, he sure. is. Yeah. He's not towering over everybody else. And so now we got some outside the ring action. Ooh, uh, Shamrock getting tossed over the table. So if you had to pick, I guess, like, you know, out of this, and we've had some of these matches, like, Who's your kind of favorite in the ring right now? Like if you had to pick out of all these guys and taking their whole career, like who would you pick as like your one top guy in the ring right now? I mean, I I think the easy answer is Austin. Right. And I'd say the easy answer and the right answer in my mind. Um, Some people love, love, love the road warriors. Um, I, I like them. Uh, but again, remember I wasn't watching the NWA in the, you know, in 85. So, uh, maybe I missed their their best stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, Austin's the biggest star in the history of the business, but, um, aside from him, dude, I, 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 the more I watch of him, the bigger of an Owen Hart fan I am. I mean, the Calgary stuff he was doing with the flips and no one else was doing it then. I know they were in other parts of the world, but no one was doing that in Calgary. Then he comes in as the Blue Blazer. And I mean, it's pretty awesome, man. Like pretty great as the Blue Blazer. Uh, so I'd say my, my second favorite in that ring right now is, uh, is Owen Hart. What about you? Is Owen? I, I think I'm with you. I think Austin's the easy pick on this one. Um, I, I think I, at least in, I remember more of like me being a Brett fan, like not to, you know, Austin's Austin. You can't not, not like him. Um, but I think for me, like Brett would probably be the one I'd have to pick. I, I have kind of a, a hot take though on this one, like seeing him in the ring at this point, like I, I like, and I said it a little bit, like I can't, like I got to give props to gold dust or you got to give props to gold dust. I mean, that that gimmick could have lasted about two months if the wrong guy was in it. Like he was so good. And so he's currently 51. And so even if you say like, you know, he was in his you know mid twenties when this match was going on, like, you know, um, like, yeah, is that math right? Yeah, that math's right. And so mid to late 20s, like... Wow, Bulldog and Goldust Superplex? Those are two big boys, man. Oh, Holy boy, that, that, that looked like it could have gone rough, but yeah. Well, and that's... in Bulldog, like, he he pressed uh, the, the Road Warriors earlier. Like, he was one that, like, just this... He was a monster of a man in regards to strength. Yeah, um, and I remember, like, I always loved his finish, the the running power slam too. I thought, like, you know, Bra- Braun's using it now, but um, it makes you know sense for both these guys. But I always enjoyed the running power slam. So as both guys are down right now, let me ask you this: uh, best in in your house match ever. Um, 
I think the three that you could argue would be uh, Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels and Taker in a Hell in a Cell in this match. Do any of those three stick out for you as the best? I remember uh, Taker, Mankind, that was the Buried Alive match. Um, oh, that's a good one too, yeah. And so I remember that one is being really good. Um, I'm kind of looking at the, a list of main events at this point. There is a lot of names on here that like, uh, this is Stone Cold and Taker had a Buried Alive match. Um, it, it, these are some that we can add to our list. Uh, casket great match. matches. Yeah, casket match. Just to, oh, so, just to give you a few of them, yeah, Goldust Undertaker casket match. Uh, I remember this one. Or don't remember this one, but Camp Cornette, which was Vader, Owen, and the Bulldog versus the People's Posse, Shawn Michaels, Sid, and Ahmed Johnson. Well, that was supposed to be the Ultimate Warrior, and then uh, Sid uh, Sid had yep. to sub for Warrior because Warrior and Vince got into it. Warrior no show. Uh, you had Brett Stone Cold, Undertaker, Vader, and a Four Corners elimination for the. That's Vader a great that that one we need to watch. So uh, Bruce was talking about that on his podcast uh, a while ago. I totally forgot about that match. I went back and watched it. It is a great match. Great. So that's. Match. That was in your house uh, 13, Final Four was that one. So, yeah, yeah I, like, and you uh, see a Brett, lot of the same. Brett and Bulldog had a really good one on one match when Brett was champion as well. I remember that. Looking at some of these kind of matches, you got, you got Shamrock in here a few times, Taker, Michaels, Stone Cold a lot in here as well, too. So, um, it, yeah, a lot of different people. Uh, Stone Cold and Dude Love going at it twice uh, in a row. Um, Those were good yeah, matches. I remember them. And so, all of these, yeah, are ones that, like, you know, you, and you even had, uh, Stone Cold and Vince in a cage match. And so that was, that was actually the last in your house prior to this NXT one. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And that was the yeah. point where they were giving them a tagline and making them three hours, I believe. Yeah. It was, like I said, as they got kind of later and kind of doing that and that card as well, too, that was a huge card. That was almost 10 matches on that one too. So um, why does everyone struggle to put the sharpshooter on? Like Austin was having trouble with it too. I mean, I've done it. 50 times to people. I don't, it's not that hard of a move to put on. Well, and I wonder like, because they talk occasionally of like the wrong leg and all this other stuff. So yeah. I like just the application, maybe we are doing it wrong. Like, you know, you know, who knows, but um, I've always heard that, but yeah, that's one of those. Well, and that's like the, uh, the fig Charlotte and the figure eight and trying to lock in the figure eight. And I'm wondering if that was part of the, the, it's like the unwritten code of like, you have to struggle if you're not Brett or something like that. Um, I think they just really do struggle. Yeah, see, it's just it's weird, but you figure it's one. Yeah, like how many times have you done it in your living room? Again, oh, grabbing ah! Stu Hart now. So Austin fighting the Hart family at ringside now. Um, just absolute chaos. <laughs> Brett rolling Stone Cold back into the ring. And then the quick roll up while Austin is distracted from Owen. Place goes nuts. So the match is over. They, they're still fighting. Got another heart that just came, flipped over the guardrail. It's they're, another, lucky this, they're lucky this didn't turn into a damn riot. It's so the, ma the match is over. Owen, uh, Owen wins. We got to watch out. We got to watch what ensues after this. Got all 10 guys in the ring pretty much. Just referees coming out yep. to stop it. Uh, now there's a heart coming in. Bruce. There's, is that IRS? Oh, no, it's the security. Yep. 
police and security now in the ring. All the security guys in Canada look like IRS. That was an honest mistake. Sorry, and a security that could be the Mounties. I don't want to, you know, don't want to don't want to offend anybody here. So that's police working over. You see Joe Briscoe on the side. Austin just kind of hanging out on the outside at this point. They've kind of started to clear the ring a little bit. You don't see this a whole lot anymore either. That's another one. Like this kind of ring filling, like, you know, multiple referees trying to break everything up. Like it's just one of those things. Like, again, like I think this, I've said it repeatedly, um, trying to get, you know, the stables and do more of that stuff and factions. You just don't see it. And I'm like trying to break it up right now. It's just not something that happens. Well, and, and I'll just, I'll say one more thing before we, we uh, jump into the aftermath. But I mean, that's the thing about these stables is, you know, Brian Pillman's better with these other four guys. Jim Neidhart's better with, with these four guys. With the, like, they're all better being part of this. They all look like bigger stars. They're all more interesting when you put them together. And so we'll just close with uh, the fans just going. So, what was a Brett's music playing? Yeah. Come in and the place would go nuts, man. But what a what an awesome moment! So, so you've got Jeff, the hearts. You know, I was to say you got the hearts and like the family now celebrating the ring and the crowd going just nuts. So yeah, good so, stuff. Yeah, awesome stuff. Let's jump into the aftermath. Oh, it's time for the aftermath. All right. So initial thoughts, dude. Great. Just great. You know, we, we're still kind of got it on right now. They're kind of waving the Canadian flag in there. I think just a lot of action, real hot. Like just, it's one of those where it, just good stuff. This is as good as pro wrestling gets, man. It's great stuff. <laughs> yep. So aftermath, what happened? I know there's a lot. So give us the cliff notes version because we can talk for hours about what happened <laughs> in the ring, outside of the ring. It's just crazy. So aftermath, we can talk the immediate aftermath. You have Austin coming back to the ring with a chair. Um, it once again, kind of starting the brawl to, uh, you know, he hit uh, a night heart. Um, and then you've got uh, just kind of dog piled on each other. Uh, like a Brett throwing like actual, like shoot punches. Um, and so, which is good stuff. But, um, what you had though was after this one, you know, kind of moving forward a little bit here, Stone Cold and Brett obviously having their match of the year, kind of, you know, doing what they did, kind of went back and forth. But you actually had Stone Cold starting to feud with Owen after this point. Um, he actually attacked him the, na- the, the next night, which is what you got this feud. Um, it led to a really the kind of infamous match at, uh, you know, SummerSlam 1997 um, for the Intercontinental Championship. This was the uh, botched pile driver that we all hear about. I know I have, it's one of those where I've seen the video once and don't want to see it again, where just too much of Austin's head was exposed underneath Brett. It wasn't like a, a tombstone where he kind of went down on his knees. It was a sit out pile driver um, where Austin, like just the, you know, probably like the, it felt like the top third of Austin's head was exposed. Um, and he's talked at length about what happened where he just felt his neck kind of compress. Oh, um, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was like four inches. I mean, it was just such a massive, you know, amount that you've never seen in like a tombstone or anything else. 
Well, and you wonder too, like some of the, just the ability of some of these guys, because in that, even in that moment, Brett, or excuse me, um, Stone Cold was able to pin Owen. And so, and kind of pin him for uh, the win on this one. I'm like him crawling, could barely move, but got the win. And of course had to relinquish both the the tag championship and the intercontinental championship because of how hurt he was. Um I, I want to point out too, I still got the match on in the background here and Austin is handcuffed flipping off the crowd as he's walking up the ramp. I, said, I don't want to miss that aftermath because it's that good. So, um, so of course though, like in you know, 1997, just a, a huge year for the hearts and kind of all these people as well too, of, uh, you know, he had, so he had to give up and then, um, you know, he did recover, but then of course you had, um, heart, uh, actually going on and beating Stone Cold again at Survivor Series. That was 1997. Um, you had all these different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these different things kind of happening. Um, of course, the screw job as well, too, kind of playing into this. Um, you know, it just all, all kinds of different stuff. And so um, with that then, too, you know, kind of the, some of the people that were involved in this one, you also had uh, Pillman, and of course we had the um, kind of, cl- I say, it's not classic, but the infamous, uh, uh, was was this the... Um, you about the gun? Oh, uh, the gun was later, excuse me, previous to this, but yeah, um, I'm mixing this one up with another one, but um, yeah. And so you had the, the screw job as well too, with this weird. And so that was what led to the heart foundation kind of breaking up, um, kind of having that you had uh Nightheart and uh, who was a Davy boy Smith. Yeah. British bulldog leaving, um, you know, because they weren't, you know, Brett leaving all this other stuff. It was Owen who stayed, um, you know, we kind of know the story at this point of why he stayed and kind of what happened there. Um, yeah, the gun was pretty the previous year, but anyways, the, um, yeah, you kind of deal with it. So just a lot of different things, you know, I think a lot of this hinged after this of like, you get into the screw job and what happened. Um, you know, everybody else kind of, you know, continued to compete, continued to be a part of this. And, you know, you have to acknowledge too, like we said at the beginning of this, that like these guys came in as the heels um, and came in as they're left as like conquering heroes though of Canada, like just absolutely got over absolutely. Like, you know, we're loved by everyone. Um, you know, yeah. Fans, you know, American fans make me sick, like crowds in the sign. Like these guys weren't going to be booed. Like these guys came in um, and, and really, you know, left and it just, you know, we know the kind of tumultuous times that came after this, but, you know, everyone still had, you know, I say successful careers. Everyone was still kind of involved in things. And so um, overall it was just, you know, it was good stuff. You know, it, it, it's good to see kind of, um, you know, how this played out and kind of everyone involved continued to have successful careers. Well, it's just sad because you're, I mean, you're watching the peak of this family and, I mean, God, it's just so many bad things happened not long after that. So it's really sad. So, yeah. Um, All right. So tell us how this match was reviewed and then let's give our payoff scores and hit the road. Yeah, so you've got the PWI. Brett was 1997's most hated wrestler, which kind of speaks to it's weird the reception he got at this, and them being the conquering heroes versus you know Brett being voted the most hated wrestler. Along with that, though, 
Owen was the third. And so um, kind of interesting, you know, how this was received and kind of how this played out. We talked a little bit about, or we talked about him during the match. Shamrock was also voted the most improved wrestler that year. And so this match took place about halfway through the year. So he still had a lot in the tank after this one. So um, really good stuff at this point. Um, what you've got then after that is kind of some of the write-ups. I'll start with the pro wrestling torch. Um, you know, you've got the match was never spectacular from a technical standpoint, but the wrestlers and the feud, especially Brett and Austin are so over that it energized the wrestlers and even basic moves and redundant saver teams seem special. All of the personalities had a chance to shine in a bit during or shine a bit during the 25 minutes, four stars, um, a couple different things that they kind of have from some different write-ups and just kind of that I pulled it. Sometimes less is more in this show proved it consistent, consistently the WWF's two-hour pay-per-views are more entertaining than their three-hour marathons, which we can all agree on that even still. Isn't that crazy? Um, People were saying that back then. Yeah, and so even then they kind of knew. And so what made this show great was the rabid Cameron Indoor Stadium home team style Calgary crowd. They elevated a very good 10-man match into the most memorable I've seen. The atmosphere watching at home was even better than uh, some previous matches. The Hart Foundation, particularly Pillman, Owen, and Brett, and Steve Austin looked like they were having their times of their life. Thank God the Hart Foundation and the WWF had sense not enough to try and turn the crowd against them. The finish of the show may have not been out of wrestling heel or yeah, the finish of the show may not have been out of wrestling heel one-on-one handbook, but it was exciting and entertaining. Uh, obviously the wrestling war is responsible for the rise in quality of these pay-per-view shows. And I think the trend in fits and starts will continue. So, um, which yes, we, we saw that them kind of going back and forth. Um, uh, the observer newsletter, uh, this one, like the whole show, it was 151 votes, you know, hundred percent. Nobody even gave this one a thumbs down. Um, Wow. Just great. And so, yeah, which is kind of weird to see. Um, and so for the rest of the world, it was strange at the same time to see Bret Hart and WWF's lead heel being presented as a hometown legend, getting a Hogan in his prime response and being shown and portrayed as a role model who had lines a mile long waiting for autographs at public appearances over the weekend and accommodated everyone who asked. Uh, or how about seeing Owen Hart, the pesky little brother, work a spectacular baby face like performance climax with him saving the day and leading the good guys to victory and then celebrating not only his entire family in the ring, but hugging his baby or seeing Davy boy Smith, walking his wife down to the aisle and kissing her um, before the match started with thunderous applause. Some, some main event heel. And what about Brian Pillman, the loose cannon there? He was helping 82 year old Stu Hart into the ring. So the father figure of Calgary wrestling could receive a well-deserved standoff at the end of the night. Um, yeah, and so that one ended up getting four and a quarter stars. So you got four and a quarter stars. You got four stars. Um, all around, they loved it. You know, and I think they they kind of touch on. I'll kind of transition into my score here. I, I you know I think that they touch on a lot of the thoughts I had as well too, and kind of you know what they did. I'm going to give this one an eight and a half. I think that, like you said, just how it was portrayed, the people in the ring, like everything happening. I think it's, it's hard to, it was just great. Like there's no, um, yeah, there's no way to kind of look at it and not enjoy it. And, you know, especially knowing this, like we said, like knowing the story, the build, all these different things that were happening. Like, yeah, I, I can't any lower than that. I feel like would be a disservice. 
everything that you read in those reviews is dead on. Um, I'm giving this a nine. The only thing that I think could have made it better is a little bit more brawling, maybe, you know, a table spot through the announcer table. Like, I think there could have just been, you know, the actual wrestling of the match was solid, but it wasn't like off the charts. And I think that maybe if there was a little bit more intensity of, you know, again, a really good table spot or a little bit of brawling up the rampway into the crowd type stuff. That's the only thing that would have made this better is just, again, just in-ring intensity. Uh, But that being said, I got this as a nine. Again, the build, the real-life stuff, the the storyline stuff is out of this world. It took years to get to this point. It's the hometown. It's the peak for this family. Um, Just incredible stuff. So that's all I have, man. Close us out. Yeah, same here. Just, you know, good stuff all around. This is a fun one. It's one that, you know, you kind of always remember is kind of happening, but the kind of details of it and how we got there, of course, you know, with time just kind of hazy. And so um, I was glad we revisited this one because this was a a really fun match to kind of watch and and kind of enjoy. So, um, of course, as always, like we started the show, you know, subscribe to the show, you know, make sure to um, leave those positive reviews, spread the word about the show. Um, You know, we enjoy bringing this to you every week. We're coming up on an anniversary for ourselves, you know, uh, a year, 50th episode, all this different stuff. So we've got some... uh, exciting things in the pipeline. I know that we're going to bring to everybody. Um, so make sure you're following us at payoff pod, all that social media. We're going to keep bringing you all that content. So, uh, Tom, what do you got to take us home on this one? Nothing, man. I, uh, I think this podcast is the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be. Thank you as always for joining us on the payoff.